I felt like he was talking about me, and maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, because uh, I cut my hair, so hearing this song, where did your long hair go, and I went, <laughs> you know, what did I do? Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, as always, and with my buddy Jason Brewer. Hello, groovy people. We're still here. Sorry for the little break, guys. We've been really busy playing some gigs, talking to some fun people. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I wanted to say thanks to everyone for listening because we hit a milestone last month. We hit 50,000 downloads. So that's really cool and uh, it makes what we do completely worth it. So really appreciate you guys, as always. We love you! Lots of fun stuff coming up today. As you know, we're rolling through the Pet Sounds album and sessions, and uh, we're going to get into that in a few minutes. But first, I wanted to celebrate the news. Recently, there was a record store day, and there was a Dennis Wilson release. Well, sort of. It was a uh, Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters featuring Brian May and Roger Taylor of Queen doing the unreleased and unfinished Dennis Wilson song called Holy Man. And some of you may know that this was featured on uh, the reissue of uh, Dennis's Pacific Ocean Blue about 11 years ago. But uh, just Taylor Hawkins, not with the Queen guys. But they, I think, redid this uh, for uh, Record Store Day and because of the recent success of Bohemian Rhapsody. And hopefully it drummed up some interest in Dennis Wilson and his solo career. Because it's really cool and um, I dig it. I think I like the, uh, the instrumental better than all the extra stuff. But I really do dig all the extra stuff. I think they did a good job. Uh, it's available on iTunes and Spotify now if you missed the special release. So check it out. I also recently heard through Endless Summer Quarterly from our friend David Beard. The Beard. That uh, the long-promised road documentary that we've talked about that is coming out soon about Brian Wilson. Um, it's going to be hitting the festival circuit and uh, hopefully we'll be able to see a release this summer. And uh, he got some insight from the director, Brent Wilson, on the title, because it is a Carl Wilson song. But Brian kept bringing up the title and he kept bringing up the song while they were making this record to go along with the film. And uh, they ended up recording the song along with Blondie from the Beach Boys and Jim James from My Morning Jacket. And they did it in about a day. And uh, they also recorded a bunch of like old rock and roll songs. That's just what Brian was feeling. 
They did Johnny Be Good, I Hear You Knocking, and Honeycomb. And uh, the director said it turned into a movie about the brothers because Brian really wanted to talk so much about Carl and Dennis. So that's why they kind of uh, succumbed to the title being a Carl Wilson song. So I'm totally open to it. I'm totally into it. I'm excited to see it, excited to hear it. That sounds pretty neato, Wyatt. I also found out that there is a Mike Love documentary in the works. Now we're talking. (laughs) So I have no more info on that, but stay tuned. Um, Also, our friend Al Jardine was inducted into the Rochester Music Hall of Fame last month. Weird. He spent a little part of his childhood there, which I did not know. And he (laughs) began playing ukulele during that time. It was one of the first musical instruments he picked up. And um, congrats to Al. That's really cool. Uh, Brian Wilson is also playing some shows with his band with the Zombies as well. Um, and I think it's, I think this may end up being a more elaborate tour, but for now I just found two dates and one was in, um, Northern California, Murphy's California to be specific on September 14th. And then on September 19th in Sandy, Utah, which is just outside of Salt Lake city. So that's pretty cool. And I think anybody that is a fan of the beach boys and pet sounds, would really enjoy to see the zombies because they are still crushing it and they still sound amazing and love them uh i got to see them with jason a couple years ago and meet those guys and it was probably the best experience of my life as far as music goes to be honest it was great so that's it for the news i wanted to recap a couple of dates that we played and a bunch of people that we met so we play in a tribute group to the beach boys we are called Sail On, and we played some really great shows for some really great people and met a lot of you guys. So I wanted to say a shout out to y'all. Um, we went to Norwood, Massachusetts, where I got to meet Brian and Kevin. Jason and I met them at a restaurant beforehand and had an adult beverage, or at least I did. And um, they were really cool guys and really enjoyed talking Beach Boys with y'all. So thank you very much. Hopefully we'll see you next time. And then after the show, we met um, Steve and Cliff, and Cliff brought a big crew with him, so that was very awesome. So thank you guys very much. Mike Wojo, good to see you as always. And then in Annapolis, Maryland, we saw Jim, Ken, and Fran, and it was very great to see you guys. You kind of surprised me with a little deep cut reference of my solo career kind of threw me off, but I really appreciate you guys being there and listening to us and supporting us. Uh, Also my friend, Jen, uh, our buddy, Dave and Ed. So thank you guys very much for coming out. And then Duluth, Georgia, we met Jacob, Dan, and uh, I saw my uncle Jeff as well. So to all you guys, thank you very much for coming. And we do hope to see you next time. We do have one upcoming show. It's actually tomorrow, if you're listening today, May 7th. Where's it at, JB? We're going to be in Greenville, North Carolina. It is a free outdoor show at the Town Common there in Greenville, North Carolina. So we'll see you cats and everyone else there. Fun fact, um, my parents actually met in Greenville, North Carolina, and 
we're going to be playing pretty much right where my dad's band used to play uh, when he met my mom. So, fun fact that you may not care about, but I do. Go, Brent, go. All right. Yeah. So, what up, Dad? Um, and we've got more shows coming up, but we'll have another episode before then. If you're interested, check out our website, sailonsounds.com. Come drink a beer with me. Come drink a Diet Coke with Jason. <laughs> and let's all sing Beach Boys songs. Yeah. Coke Zero is better. <laughs> But anyway. Okay, come drink a Coke Zero with Jason. <laughs> or a... Uh, hey, I like a club soda with lime, everybody. Just so you Okay, know. there it is. I'll, or Topo Chico. Yeah, it's a little cooler. Just a little bit. Not much. Um, not me, though. I want the hard stuff. I told Wyatt I would, I would have a Mai Tai with him, though, so... We Let's still... Um, yeah, we still have yet to have that Mai Tai. So, <laughs> guys, maybe, uh, maybe we can make that one of our... Uh, one of our goals for 2019 is get Jason a Mai Tai. All right. <clears throat> so speaking of goals, another great milestone we reached, we did reach 50 patrons on our Patreon. So that's really cool. Thank you guys very much. Um, that means that very soon we're going to put out our summer dreams commentary track. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. It is the first biopic that was made about the beach boys and uh it was based on the stephen gaines book um which i really love and a lot of people really don't like but um it's the best book everyone i don't care what you say <laughs> i think it's really good even though you know there's a lot of um mistruths in in the book and there's also a lot of mistruths in many of the books so take them all with a grain of salt but I think it's an entertaining read, and if you can find it, check it out. But um, yeah, we're going to be doing two bonus episodes every month on the Patreon, and I want to say thanks to our new patrons, Grant Thompson, Beth Hedgeman, Joshua Treasenberg, Robert Hume, Jeremy Hoffman, Ken McIntyre, Catherine Green, Corey Milano, Mark Halperin, Dennis Corrigan, and Stone Coggins. So thank you guys very much. Um, if you're interested in the Patreon, check it out. It's patreon.com slash on. Very, very cool stuff, including our last radio episode that we did, which was super fun. It was called The Beach Boys Sell Out. It should be self-explanatory, but go check it out. All right, we're going to get into some voicemails today because it's been a little while since we've heard from you guys. First up, we have Ryan. Hey, guys, this is Ryan and really enjoying your podcast. Um, <clears throat> how I got into the Beach Boys is kind of a long story, so I'll try to make it all short and sweet. Um, growing up, I really didn't like the Beach Boys too much. Uh, I guess it was the falsetto that really just kind of turned me off. And um, one of my favorite groups was The Who, and, you know, it's hard rock and the uh, Brian falsetto doesn't really, you know, go well with, um, you know, Roger Daltrey and, you know, the, the sound of Pete Townsend and the drums of Keith Moon and everything. So, um, but I was also a big fan of the Beatles and kept hearing about how Pet Sounds influenced Sgt. Pepper and, and so forth. And I kind of got into Pet Sounds in college. Uh, I did get into it in college. I had a great music class um, in college, jazz, pop, and rock. And uh, I remember walking in one day, he always would play music, and one of the songs he was playing was In My Room. And I really, really never really noticed how great that, of a song that was uh, until then. 
And um, then I kind of went down the rabbit hole, listened to Pet Sounds. I really enjoyed Caroline No. And then later on, I really enjoyed I Just Wasn't Made for These Times. But I would say I kind of put it on the back burner. And around 2012, 13 is when I really became obsessed uh, with all things Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. And it started, uh, there was this dead mall of all places that was still open to the public, but there were no stores there. And I would go in there and I would go and walk for about two hours. And I would get a 20 ounce coffee and I would listen on my iPod to Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. I would just, I'd have this, the entire place to myself and I would just go and it was just incredible. I really was obsessed with the uh, songwriter documentary that came out on Ryan Wilson and I read the uh, Carlin biography on him and uh, you know the thing about the Beach Boys is there's just so much you don't know and listening to your podcast you've turned me on to some great things I never knew. Um, I do that song by the, uh, the Castells that Brian did and um, <laughs> Ginger and the Snaps growing up is hard to do. Um, MIU, you've been turning me on to some of those songs. I've always loved Mash Points, but Sweet Sunday Kind of Love. I never really listened to that until this podcast. And um, you do, you know, big fans of Love You, it seems like, so am I. Uh, there's just so many neat little things that I could go on and on about that. And um, there's so many great memories, so many, you know, sometimes sad memories, too, that I have about Speech Boys in terms of just the experiences I've had with people, the friendships you've gained, you know, the romances that have come and gone. And, uh, you know, it's always just going to be an important part of me. Uh, I have a lot of other favorite musical groups, but there's something unique about the Beach Boys that I can't really feel um, when I listen to, let's say, you know, The Who or Steely Dan or any, any other group that I like a lot. Uh, there's just an emotional attachment there. Uh, the music can just wash over you and make you just feel so incredible. So I really love the podcast, and I'll keep listening to it and uh, keep sailing on. Thank you. Ryan, it's really cool that you gave us heavy insight into your journey into becoming a Beach Boys fan. We always love hearing these stories, so it's really fantastic. Um, we appreciate that, so keep bringing those on, folks. Um, pretty cool how you kind of cited some stuff about some you know, extraterrestrial uh, Brian Wilson things, like the Ginger Snaps and the Castells and things of that nature. So it's really awesome to you know, connect with someone that's going to go deep like we do into those strange things from the outer realm. So yeah, pretty incredible. Yes. And of course, MIU falls into the outer realm as well. Such a great realm. It is. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Up next, we have a voicemail from Jeremy Hoffman. Hey guys, this is uh, Jeremy Hoffman from Portland, Oregon. Just want to say I'm a big fan of the podcast. Um, hoping you guys later down the line uh, do an episode on the cocaine slash hamburger sessions uh, with supposedly Brian and Dennis. But I know there's a lot of theories on whether that's Dennis was there or not and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear even... Uh, some commentary over some of those tracks that uh, got out in the wild from that. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, you guys are doing a great job, and uh, I wanted to give you my full take on, uh, well, not full take, but I wanted to give you uh, my story on being a Beach Boys fan. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, not really actually being that interested in music, and I think Part of that was uh, 
based on what people were listening to around me. I just didn't connect too much. Now, friends that might be interested in Nirvana, something that has a lot of angst or kind of stick it to the man, or uh, the Beatles being kind of uh, a little more obtuse at times in their later music or more popular songs from later in their career. So, yeah, I guess the Beach Boys just came to me when I was in early college, and, of course, I had heard the hits early on, but, of course, I was hearing everything about Pet Sounds around that time. And Yeah, I suppose just uh, what hit me so hard about it was the honesty and simplicity of Brian's lyrics with Tony, but then that just being coupled with this rich, deep complexity of the music. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just, I just that, that album hit me hard, and I've been a huge fan ever since. Favorite album is Friends, and I know a lot of people say this, but I actually think if you take Transcendental Meditation and, and swap it out with I Went to Sleep, you have uh, just about as perfect as an album can get. Um, but uh, I know other people feel otherwise. Anyways, oh, and uh, I really am trying to find someone who will agree with me about that one track being on the Pet Sounds box set of, uh, says Brian sings lead on God Only Knows. Um, I'm convinced that is not Brian, and I know some people think it's Carl mixed with Brian. I don't think Brian's there at all. I think Carl's just singing a little bit louder, um, and as they worked through the track, he found a more gentle tone. But I, I just, I can't, that does not sound like Brian from any era, uh, that track that says Brian sings lead on God Only Knows. So I, I'd be interested to see if you guys agree with me or if uh, you think it really is him. Anyways, cool. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, guys. I, I'm trying to remember. This is the newer box set or the old box set? What are we talking about? The old about? box set. Yeah, I remember that. And it, to me, it sounds like a weird blend, like he was saying. But, I mean, you can tell me what for real went down there. But, I always, I, man, I haven't thought about that in forever. Okay. I'm a big fan of that crazy bootleg out there of Dennis and Brian kind of just off their rockers going, going at stuff during that. I think, Wyatt, tell me what's up here. Was this around the same time Brian recorded the Stevie song? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that I wish that that zone had been more explored amongst the Beach Boys at that time because I think Brian was coming up with some really interesting stuff right there because, I mean, Stevie's great, and then that weirdo Lord track, had that been realized, man, some really killer stuff. So pretty rad that, you, that, that you're on to that groove, Jeremy. Yeah, man. Um, and speaking of the cocaine-slash-hamburger sessions, there's a great scene in... Uh, summer dreams that we talked about that uh where <laughs> brian's out jogging and dennis comes up to him with a bag of hamburgers and a bag of coke and lures him into the studio <laughs> so, that happens that happens to me all the time i know it's the only way we get you to gigs but um yeah i really love that stuff um you know especially just as part of the lore that we know um and uh, yeah, so about the God Only Knows uh, with uh, the supposed Brian lead, I don't think it's Brian. 
And I know a lot of people have argued about it. And I think that it is possible that there is a Brian guide vocal there, but the prominent vocal is Carl. And we've heard Carl sing in different ways before. It's not the first time. Listen to how he sings on Sloop John B on the first take um, before Brian took over the lead. And it's a very different sounding Carl vocal, but we've heard Carl sing with a lot of gusto, a lot of force too. So I think Carl was still trying to find his voice on that particular song and Brian was kind of coaching him through it. And there's, you know, a lot of people that will disagree with me and that's fine too. I'm fine with saying we don't know. Obviously the people that did the research were convinced that it was Brian singing lead. So, hey, you know, we're all in this together. I just care about getting it right, not as much about being right. So if, if I'm proved wrong, that's great. Um, it's just one of many, many unsolved mysteries in the Beach Boys universe. So that's my take on it. Um, hopefully one day we'll get some more clarity, but until then, you guys be the judge. We're going to be talking about God Only Knows in an upcoming episode, and we will definitely revisit this topic. But... Thanks, Jeremy. Really loved hearing from you. And we look forward to hearing from you again one day. Up next, we've got two interesting callers by the names of PJ and Pete. It's like that Nickelodeon TV show, sort of. Yeah, but not funny. Hey, Wyatt. How's it going? Uh, If this is Wyatt, uh, I guess we're not really sure who answers this phone. Um, This is PJ and Peter of the Beach Boys Boys, as you know. Hello. Uh, that's, that's Peter, this is PJ. Uh, we were just wondering, um, well, we were going to call to see if we had offended you in any way. We are live on air, by the way. Yeah. Um, this voicemail is being recorded. <laughs> this voicemail is being recorded live. Um, and from beautiful Anaheim, California. And we were just wondering if we had offended you in any way because you did not return our email. And we wanted to know if we should, uh, you know, ramp up this beef or take it down. Because we got the beef. Okay, so the yeah. grill is hot at the moment. And the barbecue yeah. is piping hot. Piping. The beef is formed into a patty and in PJ's hands. And at the moment, yeah. we have aprons on. We are ready to drop the beef onto the grill. Yeah. And um, that will take this to a whole other level. We have the beef. We just don't know whether or not to cook the beef yet. Right, exactly. Um, True. So, if you would call us back at this number, preferably uh, when we're recording, I don't know how right. you would know. Yeah, um, make sure it's when. We're make sure it's when we're recording. Uh, that would be great. Um, also, I'm going to be in Nashville at some time. Let me be on your podcast, man. In August. Come on, <laughs> let's do it. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye. Let me explain about who these young chaps are and what they're talking about. Recently, I was, as you do, searching for Beach Boys-related things, and I found on SoundCloud a Beach Boys podcast called The Beach Boys Boys. And I thought, oh, interesting, let's check this out. And it looked like they had been doing it for about four or five months, and they already had a bunch of episodes, like 30-something episodes. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So I started listening, and they didn't really like the first few records very much. Um, And then I'm listening to one of the episodes, and then all of a sudden they start talking about their rival podcast, and they bleeped out the name every time. But I can only imagine that they were talking about us. You guys be the judge. (laughs) 
you mother over at the podcast and i will bleep your name every time because i don't want people going over there if they don't like our podcast because they should be liking our podcast but you guys you stole our shtick <laughs> and you guys can go they did. yourselves they did name hosts agreed and i hate you and worse podcast cover art too yeah it's so boring none of it's good i guess they've spilled the beans at this point uh, since they've come clean and messaged me but um they talked a lot of trash about us and uh, i'm gonna talk a little bit of trash about them because i found out that they're not really in sunny anaheim california they're actually in montana so you're just frauds. There's the beef for you guys. And you just have a really scripted podcast and you're nerds and your podcast is too short and you don't know what you're talking about. One of you guys doesn't even like the Beach Boys. And there you go. I don't know. Like That's the best I can do. But um, I really enjoyed listening to it. You guys check it out. I'll post a link to it. It is a little bit raunchy. I'd say it's an R-rated Beach Boys podcast. And I wouldn't even really call it a Beach Boys podcast as much as just a audio program by two dudes who sometimes talk about the Beach Boys. <laughs> um, but I do enjoy it. I listen to every episode and I especially enjoy when they start talking trash about me and, and, uh, and Jason. So, um, definitely, but I really do enjoy it. Thank you guys for calling in. And I don't know if you wanted me to play that voicemail, but who cares? I just did. Um, the Beach Boys Boys. All right, go check it out. They have like four listeners, so I'm sure we'll we'll at least double their listener count. Yeah, guys. After this record, yeah, guys. This, this episode, you're, wa- comes you're welcome. Out. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy all the new listeners. Don't blow it. Don't let all the stardom go to your head. It's 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 lonely here at the top. So keep working. They are the self-proclaimed number one Beach Boys podcast. So maybe we have some work to do. Well, all right. <laughs> We left off last time with the Beach Boys touring Japan and Brian at home in the studio working on backing tracks with the Wrecking Crew for his new songs. Uh, We talked about the instrumentals last time, Let's Go Away for a While and Pet Sounds. And he also did three more tunes while the Beach Boys were gone. And the one I want to talk about today is the first one that he actually finished and it's called Caroline No. Well, a little faster, I want it like this. One, two, do the loop all the way like that. We'll get a record. Wait for us. One, two, three. So they went in on January 31st to do the track at Western Studios, engineered by Chuck Britz, as always. The usual cast of characters here, slightly different arrangement and slightly different instrumentation. Hal Blaine was playing a big water jug that you would find like in, you know, an office 
So that's what the big reverberating kind of like bongo style drum is. And then also you had um, Steve Douglas playing woodblock on a tambourine. So that's why you kind of get that double sound there. first take they're kind of feeling it out it was more of a rehearsal and then by take two they kind of played through the entire song it's pretty impressive there's some tough rhythms on this song and some interesting chord changes obviously more of what brian was experimenting with with the bass going in different directions than you'd expect take three please first verse you know starts very simply with the tambourine the vibes harpsichord uh, Lyle Ritz on the double bass second verse you've got Carol Kay of course playing guitar this time and Glenn Campbell on 12 string and then Barney Kessel on acoustic guitar The flutes come in on the chorus. You've got a great flute section for this. You've got Jim Horn and Plaz Johnson on alto flute. And you've got Bill Green on the bass flute and then Jay Migliori on the bass flute as well. Flutes kind of personify this song. Like there's, they're very sad and wistful, and we'll talk about the lyrics in a minute. But I think you know, just listening to the track, you can already get a good feel for what the song is about and the mood that it wants to create. Hal running the session, Hal Blaine, of course, as he as he usually did. He was the band leader uh, in the studio, and Brian was the producer. On take five, there's an interesting little part at the end by Glenn Campbell. I think he had uh, either a bad cable or a bad pot or something, but his guitar goes straight fuzz. Fuzz tone going. <laughs> he doesn't, we don't really want it, but it's going. 
What I love about this is Brian has these playful arguments from the booth with the guys in the studio. Uh, he has a little argument um, after the fifth take with the vibraphone player, Frank Cap. Okay, Frankie? Frankie. Whoa, Frank. Some of those notes that may not cut through as well, you may hit a little harder there. Say there, huh? You should know the notes that don't come through. Don't give me some annex. Get out of here. Okay, let's go. One, take six, please. And then he has a nice little jab with Hal on take eight, where he says, you missed that pickup. You let us all down. You missed that pickup. Yes, you did. You know you did. You came in on that F chord thing. One, two, three. Boom, boom, boom. That's, where, that's what gassed everyone in here. It's all very playful, but it's like, you know, what I think Brian does so well. He's commanding in the studio, but he's also really funny and playful, and he's always kind of, you know, just talking to the guys like they're human beings, and I think that's great. My favorite part of this whole session is on take 14, the phone rings in the studio, and it's Murray Wilson. And I think Murray called because he wanted to hear how the session was going. And Murray was still very interested and very involved with, with Brian's music, um, even though he wasn't their manager anymore. You can hear Brian saying, come on, man, we got five minutes. Will you hang up? Murray! Hey, come on, man, we got five minutes. So you hang up? Here we go. You want to hear the take, right? So you can steal some ideas for sunrise. Fifteen, roll. Hello? Hi, Dad. Hold on, listen to the take. Take 15. Hold it right up there. <laughs> this is, uh, this is uh, music for uh, people over 48. Coming on! Here you go. Oh, Katie! Take 14. This is for you, Murray. It's pretty great. It's pretty funny. You know, Brian's just kind of roasting his dad yeah, on the great. phone. It's yeah. absolutely great because you can tell Brian's just in command. He's confident. And he's very playful and then still commanding, like I was saying. It's just like you've got Brian at his peak right here. Then Hal says, this is for you, Murray, which is so hilarious. Like Hal's yelling <laughs> at Murray on the phone um, from the studio behind the kit. Um, and then uh, on take 17 ends up being the master take. Before the take, you can hear Hal yelling, all right, a good one for Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and they nailed it. 17 takes. Take 17, huh? That's a good one for, a good one for Murray. It's not an easy song. It really is not an easy song. Um, like I was saying, there's a lot of interesting rhythms and chords. Um, and there's not a lot of percussion, so it, you know, I kind of fell to the harpsichord player to keep the beat on the song, yep. so to speak. Um, there's not a lot of subdivisions in the percussion, and you had two different guys playing it, and they did such a great job. I mean, these guys, obviously, the Wrecking Crew were just the best. Um, but, I mean, Al DeLore was kind of carrying the whole song on the harpsichord. It was pretty awesome. So once they got the main take done, they went back through and did a insert or an overdub of more instruments on top of that. 
So Carol Kay comes back through with a Dan Electro bass, and you can hear that on the little delayed kind of picked bass part throughout the song. And then um, Steve Douglas playing the saxophone, and then Hal doing the big drum fill at the end of the song. there and I love the instrumental track of this I think it's just phenomenal um, obviously the arrangement is is wonderful uh, it's 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 got a lot of emotion in it um, like I said especially in the flutes but also just the chords are really sad um, the way that they're phrased mm-hmm. um, the two different keys um, there's a little bit of you know dissonance in there you know with some notes that are kind of unsure about themselves much like the song itself and the and the the writer it's a really fantastic song just without the vocal you know i mean even not even hearing the melody or the lyric you know i love the i'm always been drawn to the harpsichord sound on this because it's like a muted harpsichord which is a yep. similar thing they use on god only knows too um so it's a really cool Uh, unique sound and I like how the track builds like you were talking about like where it things come in um, slowly it's not all in your face all at once Um, it's kind of the opposite of the Phil Spector approach that Brian had been so into at this up to this point you know so sure and I and I think I what was kind of funny you were saying about the whole uh, Murray scenario when they're joking around with him it is a very adult contemporary (laughs) song if you really think about it um it's i think that the if you listen to the brian wilson solo music that's happened you know since the 90s or whatever this song is kind of the template of any ballad he does in terms of the, the kind of the hallmarks of his sound so yeah, I think that that's a, an important thing that maybe, I don't know, isn't always discussed related to this song, but it's pretty, pretty evident to me listening to it. I listened to the instrumental track a lot preparing for this episode. So I, you know, I looked up the credits for this. Now there's some saxophone by Steve Douglas and then Johnson and the other guys doing the flute. And I love just all the woodwinds all over pet sounds, but in this song, it's such a great, texture that again hasn't shine quite as bright or shown quite as bright as it does on the pet sound stuff up to this point for the band so um you know obviously we're going to say it a million times but the uh advancement even with this kind of stark and simple in terms of not a lot going on overall in the song this is a big advancement so of course this was written uh, by Brian Wilson and his collaborator, Tony Asher. And this was the first song um, that they finished together in the studio. So 
that's why I wanted to talk about this one first. Tony must have known a girlfriend of his that cut her hair off, you know? Uh, you know how like, a girl have her hair down halfway down her waist, and then next, and all of a sudden her hair is like short? And then she hardens. She gets hard, you know? And she lost a glove that she used to have, and it really put this guy to pieces. He felt real sad. She didn't love him anymore. Tony says, When I first sang the lyric to Brian, I sang, Oh, Carol, I know. I envisioned a song in which the girl had undergone these changes and was attempting to explain to her former lover the inevitability of growing up. My intent was to have him answer with the line, Oh, Carol, I know. The purpose was to acknowledge the inevitable growth and for him to articulate what he missed in the old her. I had heard it as Carol, I know. Carol, comma, I know. And Brian was hearing it as Carol, I know. That only lasted for a couple of minutes because we decided what it was going to be, but that's kind of an interesting little play on words. And uh, because I don't think I would have written the words Caroline, no. It's not a phrase that I would ever use, but it's so uh, poignant, you know, a phrase to use just to say no, you know, like, no, no, don't do that. And, um, And it really adds so much to that song, so. I think it was a great improvement, as it turns out. Where did your long hair go? Where is the girl I used to know? How could you lose that happy glow? Oh, Carolina. Brian counts Caroline No among his very favorites. He says, It's a very big ballad. That song was probably the best I've ever written. It's a pretty love song about how this guy and this girl lost it, and there's no way to get it back. I just felt sad, so I wrote a sad song. When I thought about the song and what it meant, I thought about Marilyn. We had been married for about a year and a half by then, but it seemed like so much longer. So much had happened. Maybe 10 years of things had happened in less than two. I hadn't lost my love for her, but I saw how love could be lost, and that scared me. Where is the girl I used to know? I I don't, I just really took it personally. How did you lose that happy glow? Well, you know, I mean, I was like telling him off all the time and getting mad at him because he was being, you know, very naughty. It's such a great song. I mean, the way he sings it with that whine, that whine that only Brian has with that wonderful voice. And then the ending, you know, that, oh, Caroline, no. The way he goes, no. Oh, God, it's killer. Oh, Caroline, no. As time went on, I realized it was sort of also about me. It was a song that was a story about how you can lose yourself and worry that you will never get yourself back. I know Tony didn't write it that way, but sometimes I needed it to be that way to help explain things. So pretty heavy stuff, man. And I mean, you know, this is the first lyric that we're talking about from Pet Sounds. And it's uh, it's fitting that it's the last song on the record. Um, And, you know, we'll get into the grand scheme of things, I guess, you know, later on. But just just to focus on this one song, um, the lyrics always resonated with me and they, they, I think they're brilliant. They're, they're poignant. And, uh, I always thought it was a cool wordplay to say, Caroline, no, you know, 
or you can hear it as Carol I Know, uh, and then Caroline You, which you can also hear as Carol I Knew. It's just very interesting and, and you know, just really clever at the same time. Yeah, I mean, Caroline Knows an incredible, incredible, heart-wrenching track. The lyric you talked about, I mean... It's as heavy as, heavy as it's gotten to this point for Brian Wilson songs. So, um, yeah, it's quite a incredible ending to an album. I think it's the best ending track to any album ever. But uh, Wow. Yeah, of course. It's 10 out of 10. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. It's hard to argue with that. Brian did a, uh, a guide vocal, and then he doubled it, and that would be the final tracking for this record. No harmonies, just our boy Brian bearing his soul for everybody. And um, it really, to me, captures Brian's innocence and longing, you know, the love for someone that is now maybe moving into the past, but he wonders if they could bring the feelings back like they once had. It's equally sweet and sad, like most of my favorite Brian songs. And uh, it's a 10 out of 10. It's so sad to watch a sweet thing die. Maybe my favorite line on Pet Sounds. I don't know if I can think of a better one. It's a uh, very poignant, very re- simple, simple, very relatable. I think. Yeah. I think everyone uh, has experienced that bittersweetness of life at some point. 
We've been listening to the sessions and we listened to the final mix, but before it was released, they actually did one more thing to the recording. And uh, that was on Murray Wilson's uh, suggestion. Carol, I know my dad has told me to put a uh, speed up on the tape, on the tape machine, and speed it up about a half a note. And he said, it'll sound sweeter. I said, Dad, I can't do that. He goes, he goes, son, look, trust me, try it. You'll love it. I tried it and it worked. I loved it. Especially after hearing all these sessions in the past couple of weeks, I've been listening to these a lot and doing my research. I went back and listened to the album version, which is a little bit faster, and it just sounds bizarre to me. Like, it's like I hadn't heard it in so long, and I've been listening to the actual, you know, regular speed version, and, and you know, I, it just sounds so weird. And I kind of kind of don't like it as much. Where did your long hair go? Where is the girl I used to know? I'm a purist. I think we talked about this on our last trip uh, with somebody. Maybe it was Shalom. Our shout out to Shalom. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so a mono, pet sounds, original, everything. And, and I'm that way about, I was talking about this, about the Beatles, Let It Be with Mike too. It's just the first thing I gravitated toward, you know? Um, sure. But... I listened to both versions a bunch and something about the sped up version and the way that that vocal on the end, especially you're talking about in that just a little bit higher register. I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, either way, it's great, but it's interesting because in that original speed, it's definitely almost a new voice for Brian, if that makes any sense. He sounds a lot different on that than he had in previous records. And so maybe that's why Murray thought they should speed it up to maybe sound like more like classic Brian in a way. I don't know. But, um, but I mean, it's, it sounds sadder. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a more mature voice and it's, it's just a little bit more dreary. I think if you speed it up a little bit, it kind of takes a little bit of that off, you know, it 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 does a little bit more innocent. And, and maybe that was could have been you know his thinking, but anyway, I think both versions are equally great. I I definitely do prefer the original, but that's just me. I would have said that until like honestly until this week, and I I just I just always you know I don't know I just always listen to the album version and the released version, the original version, and uh, you know I guess you know it's kind of just something that you get used to and you hear it over and over again. And then, you know, when I first got the box set in the nineties and I heard the original speed, it sounded really slow and really strange. Um, but I think, you know, just lately I've been listening to the sessions and, and like I said, the, the original speed vocal and it just feels much more natural to me because it is, I mean, it's the correct speed. It's the, it's the key that it was written in. It's the key that they play it in live. Um, and uh, 
you know, I guess it's just, you know, whatever you're used to. And it's it's not a huge difference, but I guess, you know, us nerds, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to listen to both and really get into it. And that's what we do, man, especially for Pet Sounds. That's why we're spending so much time on these songs. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, just wait till we get to Beach Boys Love You. It's going to be 37 really... episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Honking Down the Highway Part 1. <laughs> All right. I can't wait. Um, I cannot wait. I was under the impression, and not to, you know, beat this beat the dead horse here, but I was under the impression, and I think that it was referenced in Peter Ames Carlin's book, Catch a Wave. Great book. That this song was about Carol Mountain. I wrote for Carol. I was in love with her in high school, and uh, as soon as high school was out, I went to the piano and played a four freshman song. And I was thinking about her and I started crying because I realized I'd never be able to have her. So later on, when Tony and I got together, I thought, Carol Ein, for Carol. So I wrote it for Carol. Who was uh, Brian's crush in high school. She was a cheerleader who um, had like long hair and like beautiful tan skin. And Brian was obsessed with her. And soon after Pet Sounds came out, the legend is that Brian started like making these late night phone calls to her at strange hours, out of nowhere. So maybe the song evoked some memories, some nostalgia for him, um, whether or not it was um, you know, written for her or had her in mind, which I don't think it did. But um, it's very interesting. And, and I actually have a quote from her. Carol says, he didn't sound drugged or anything, but it was very strange. He'd call at 3 a.m. and want to talk about music. I was such a nerd, I'd say, what, who? And I'd have him talk to my husband. But it was nothing inappropriate. It was just strange. He was going through some strange thing, calling and connecting. We treated him with respect. We didn't get angry, and he didn't talk long. So very strange. I mean, like, we're starting to see the beginning of the really eccentric behavior from Brian. Once he kind of was let loose on his own and kind of had the access to, you know, all these new experiences, including the drugs and, you know, the money and, and it just, it, it, you start to see the eccentric behavior coming out. And I think it's, it's hilarious, but, um, you know, it does go to a dark place at, at times, but I think right now it's very innocent and, um, it's a lot of fun. Um, so I always like that story. Um, the song was released as a Brian Wilson single, uh, with the B side summer means new love, which, is fitting because there are no Beach Boys on that recording. It's an instrumental. Uh, it was released on March 7th, uh, and it reached number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100, which was pretty disappointing for a Beach Boys song. But, you know, I guess a lot of people were kind of confused by it because it was listed as Brian Wilson. I wonder how many people picked it up not knowing who it was, or I wonder how many people didn't pick it up because they didn't know the name. You know, it's just interesting. But... Um, Two weeks later, they put out Sloop John B, and we know that was a huge hit. So um, it was an interesting experiment. I never got why it was a Brian Wilson, why it was actually why it was released. I asked Capitol Records to put Caroline No out. It's a single under the name Brian Wilson because I wanted to promote my name. And they did, and the song didn't make it. The darn thing didn't make it. You know? If it had, do you think it might have marked the end of the Beach Boys? Oh, no. If it, if it was a hit, I might have released another one, but I'm glad it didn't because I'm glad the Beach Boys kept going. I always thought it was interesting that they put it out as a Brian solo, but I kind of get it, you know, back then, you know, people 
guys would kind of split from groups for singles because it was a label thing. You know, they would they would say, oh, well, let's have a Beach Boys record out and a solo record out at the same time, you know, trying to capitalize on whatever is popular. So that's kind of how I always viewed it. Um, sure. And I mean, it didn't do terrible. It no. Was, I mean, and, it was number 32. And I, I thought, you know, one of the things, it's been a long time since I've read about it, but I feel like I recall reading something about how the guys in the band also kind of were encouraging of, Oh, Hey, Brian's going to have this song out. We want it to showcase our leader, Brian Wilson, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I think it's really cool that there, I mean, it's just him singing. So it makes sense. It's not the beach boys. This is a Brian Wilson record. So you're right. I mean, it's, I mean, I heard that that Brian brought it to the the executives and said, "Look, I've got a solo song that we can put out, probably on the ins- insistence of um, Steve Douglas." And uh, you know, figured you know it was going to be a while before they finished the record. So um, here's something that's finished that you guys can release, and maybe it'll do something, maybe it won't. Um, you know, and like I said, it didn't do terrible. It reached number thirty-two, sold lots of copies, was on the radio. Um, oh, it was top yeah. 20 in a lot of markets, including top, Nashville. Top 10 in Houston. Yeah, that's right. In Memphis. Um, so, Crazy. I mean, hey, I mean, it was worth a shot. And, I th- and you know, I don't think Brian ever thought that it was going to be like a solo career. You know, I, I think it was just sort of a fun little thing to do. Um, and we'll see another fun little thing soon in a couple of years when Brian and Mike put out their single. I love Stay that. Stay tuned. So, um, you know, one thing... Maybe not. Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but I think that this uh, this track has been super influential, um, probably more than it's kind of let let on, maybe because mm-hmm. everybody talks about how big Pet Sounds is. But you know, one of my favorite artists that we've talked about uh, before, uh, Mr. Neil Young, quotes this song. And funny, funny enough, he quotes it in harmony, in a Beach Boys-style harmony in one of his songs called Long May You Run. And he says in the lyric, uh, you know, those voices singing Caroline No, but it's just Brian Zolo. So it's always just been kind of a funny thing, and I imagine that's a little joke to him as well, because um, he's such a big, you know, he's a big fan of the Pet Sounds record, and it was a big deal to him. And, you know, he even bought for his home studio the uh, a similar board that they used on pet sounds and stuff. So, cause he's such a big, big fan. Um, and you know, the velvet underground had some allusions to that on one of their tunes too, in the late sixties. So pretty cool, pretty rad. Um, there's a lot of other things I, you know, found about it, but I've always loved the mention of the song by Neil Young and in, in his song. So, um, I was going to, I was going to try and stump you on that one later. Oh, crud. But you beat me to it. I know. I mean, I mean, it's fine. I knew you would know it because you're a Neil Young head. So, yeah. But so, so you know, <laughs> I love I love that connection, and I think I think that, like I said, this song. I mean, along with the rest of the record, but this song is such a high high watermark for any artist. And I know all the Beatle fans are going to get mad at me for picking this over like the end of Abbey Road or something. But man, <laughs> I think it's great. A couple other things to touch on here. Uh, on the album version, the sound of a passing train can be heard at the end of Caroline No, accompanied by barking from Brian's dogs, Banana and Louie. Uh, let's get uh, Louie and Banana really way on. 
And uh, in the in the late 1990s, it was discovered that the train sound effect came from a, an effects LP titled Mr. D's Machine, recorded in 1963 by Brad Miller. Interesting little fact that it was not an original train recording. But Brian recorded his dogs at home, um, and uh, they added them into the song. So I got a question for you, Wyatt. Okay. What are your... F- What's your favorite non-original version of this song? Mm, I, I mean, I don't know if it counts, but I love the the uh, mashup album that uh, it's like a Jay Dilla versus the Beach Boys mashup album. That's really great. Yeah, and I love the Caroline No remix. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, it's called Songs in the Key of D, and it's by an artist uh, named Buyan. Uh, and it's really yeah, good. I remember when that came yeah, out. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it because Jay Dill is a great rap and hip hop uh, producer, and then yep. somebody went in and mashed up his beats with the Pet Sound Sessions. And it's it's really brilliant, especially if you like that kind of thing. And I mean, we use a little bit of that kind of stuff. We've used a couple of his tracks on some of our episodes before, but. Uh, yeah, I really love that. And the live versions are really cool, too. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I know you love the 1973 live album. Oh, my gosh. And I love that version because of all the sweet keyboard shredding on there, <laughs> which is it's very much a like early 70s, cool, lounge, jazz take on the song. It's very <laughs> much what I... To me, it's like... This is going to sound hilarious. Post Woodstock hippie jazz. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's very much of its era. I really am way into that version, though. Carl's vocals, great. And the the backing band keyboard shredding is just excellent, excellent, excellent. Carl and and Carly. Yeah, Carl and Carly. And it's funny because I think that that is... um, this is really the first time they were out touring playing this song and it's really interesting that they put that in the set list on that tour and so that version was recorded in richmond virginia at the mosque cool there and august 18th 1973 so there's a gary usher add some music to your day a 1970 symphonic tribute to brian wilson album out there i can't remember who released it the album cover looks like it was released by uh late 90s early 2000s uh the reissue anyway uh i think it could have been pop tones might have been the release i could be way off base there but it's what it looks like um and there's a gary usher track version of caroline no that is super cool so that's my other version that i'm really into that whole record in general but uh, definitely seek that out. I uh, really love those versions. So, uh, On the more recent Pet Sounds box, they included the 1993 live version, which uh, is super cheese town, but Carl's voice sounds amazing. Um, and I think that's worth checking out just for that. It's really cool. Well, 
What else is there to say, man? It's Caroline No. I think that this song has so many layers. I could talk about it more for a long time, but I'll spare you all. Um, I think that the the heaviness and the gravity of this song really resonates with anyone, but especially with, you know, kind of the people and where Brian probably was at at that point in his life, you know, in that early 20, mid 20s zone where a lot of people, you know, kind of still are figuring everything out about themselves for sure. And so, you know, the, for someone of that age to kind of go to the very um, mature uh, and complex feelings that he's trying to put across, not in, in the lyrics that he worked on with Tony, but also in the music and the style. I mean, it's, a, it's quite a moving piece of art, and it is a piece of art. I, I, I get bothered when folks say, oh, well, music is kind of a lesser art form. Well, if you listen to this song and you pay attention to the lyrics and you really dive in and understand this pop song, is a great piece of art. Um, it's really one of my all-time favorite recordings by anybody because um, it it, it kind of has all the elements. It's Beach Boys, it's Brian Wilson, it has some Burt Bacharach in there too. You can kind of hear that a little bit in the, in the style. Um, and the heaviness of the lyric really kind of resonates with me personally. So, um, yeah, I really, really love this track and I, I don't think it gets much, much better than this song. Well, we've got a few more songs to talk about, guys. Believe it or not, we've only made it through four. But Pet Sounds, man, you got to do it right. Next time, we're going to move forward a couple days <laughs> and uh, the Beach Boys get back in town. They stop off in Hawaii and play a gig there. And then uh, when they get back, Brian has some new tracks to play for them, including the one we're going to talk about next week which is called Wouldn't It Be Nice. So thank you guys for joining us. We hope you've learned something new because we learned a lot of new things. And we hope that we get to join you again next time on the Salon Podcast. Check us out on the web at salonsounds.com. We've got a great Facebook group. Uh, check that out. We've got a Patreon. Check that out. Hit us up with an email sailonpodcast at gmail.com our phone number for voicemails or you can hit me with a text message is 615-606-3887 as always our wonderful music is by Will C that's W-I-L-L-C music.com alright we'll see you guys real soon boom sail on sailors
do it in your own regular voice. It'll be funnier than hell if you do it very straight. Give me just low. Just do it very, very, very straight. Don't even goof around at all. Just say, okay. uh, do the thing we'll say with it. That music will make it funny. Okay. Second, Bruce, hold it. Bruce. Bruce, we have a little top 40 sound for this thing. <laughs> Hi there, everyone listening to the Kirby Scott Show on WCAO. This is Mike Love, and on behalf of the other Beach Boys, I'd like to have you give a listen to Brian Wilson's new solo, Caroline No. Do it as straight as you can, because the, fu the funnier it'll be is because, like, uh, you're playing this hysterical music behind it, but if you do it straight, it'll make it funnier. That's just like a comedian laughing at his own line. Yeah. Okay. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> 